everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight podcast number 96. And we're recording this on Tuesday, the 13th of May, 2014. It's probably fair to say we, uh, we, we missed a week there, Ray Blanford, but uh, we're here in the end. Yeah, it's, it's all my fault, I'm afraid. Uh, time rather got away with us, but we will uh, revisit some of the topics we have. And the advantage, of course, having a two-week gap is we've got uh, more news to talk about. And I will say uh, apologies in advance if I'm a bit snuffly. I do have a cold, which I'm just getting over, but I didn't want to miss this week's recording slot. Well, well done, Ray. Well done. True for the. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll come to the um, the thing we held over from the last podcast, which is Nokia and Microsoft sort of merging, if you like, um, software properties, personnel, etc. And I, I don't want to leave that for another podcast. We will get that. But first of all, just a few uh, quick items of news, really, and software items. Um, you remember, Rafe, in the last podcast, I was moaning that there was a, a bug in Windows Phone 8.1 or in some of the Nokia software's interfaces with Windows Phone 8.1, whereby you get duplicate, multiple duplicate uploads in your auto backup system. So you, you, you take photographs and it, the, the new system, they actually upload a, a the full res photograph is the one that gets backed up, which is a fair enough decision. But you then do some reframing on, for example, your 1520 or your 1020. Uh, you get a nice, you know, cropped in photo that you're really happy with. And you expect that to be uploaded, but no, it uploads another duplicate copy at full resolution. And that's clearly a bug. I did report it to the appropriate people. And uh, along with some other improvements and enhancements to do with the, especially the 1520 and the 930 and the icon that the devices with the newer chipsets, um, there was a brand new Nokia camera beta update released today. And I do recall saying to you that there'd probably be a software update to fix the bug. And as much as I'd like to think Nokia, or I should say Microsoft now, are efficient <laughs> enough to do it in a week time in response to Steve complaints. Because, of course, Steve is a very important user that Microsoft want to keep happy. <laughs> I suspect this might have been in the pipeline for a while. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Much as I like to think that me complaining on a Friday afternoon caused them to get an update out on the Tuesday morning. <laughs> I think that's probably pushing it. So I think you're probably right. But uh, this update does fix that uh, duplicate full-rose upload. You now, the, the, the secondary and the third um, auto backups, there are the backups of the reframe, not the original full-resolution original framing. So that's good to know. There's also uh, the new review interface, whereby there's only one little circular thumbnail top left of the camera interface. So you don't have to think, now, which one was which again? You just simply tap that, and that takes you through to gallery, and then you can do any extra sort of browsing or reframing from there. It's fair to say, Rafe, that the um, until we get Lumia Scion, though, the complete sort of Windows Phone uh, 8.1 uh, photos stroke gallery uh, stroke camera roll interface isn't completely integrated with this new Nokia camera software. So the full impact of the, the changes in the UI won't be fully seen until Cyan hits. That's right. I mean, the whole thing is kind of smoothing out that experience. Um, and you can get this update now. And actually, I'm really pleased to see that change to the review interface because I was forever hitting the wrong button and wanting <laughs> to swap back to new. Normally, I'd you know hit the reframing button and think, actually, I want to go back a couple of images. And of course, you then back out and do it again. But you're right. There's some other enablers coming in Lumia Cyan. And you can actually see bits of them in 8.1, but it's not quite all joined up yet. But when it does come... I think it's great to see that because one of the things that always annoys me on smartphones is there isn't a particularly good experience for after you take photos. And it's been getting better all the time, but it does feel that uh, this whole setup is really geared towards users wanting to do stuff to their photo afterwards, bit sharing, reframing, doing a bit of editing. And some phones do this better than others, but there's not often a consistency across that full spectrum of things and and where there is it can be a bit clunky or a bit difficult but it's sort of applying some of the principles that 
Microsoft has elsewhere in Windows Phone and Nokia has done the same thing in the past of trying less is more, keeping it simple while still actually offering a lot of options. And I think the standout example of that is actually the custom camera application that Nokia did uh, for its sort of Windows Phone devices where you can pull out and get all of those settings. And that kind of, uh, if we call it a self-disclosing UI, if you like, or a self-disclosing user experience or journey or whatever language you want to use works really well. So having installed this camera feature update, it just sort of gives me a little bit more anticipation for Lumia Sign. And as with actually a lot of these named updates, sort of amber, black, uh, I think a lot of the things that people are going to look forward to are actually going to be in the imaging bits. And so there'll be various other enhancements elsewhere, but perhaps uh, once again, imaging taking center stage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's move. We're going to make these quick, quick fire news items. So we do want to get to some discussion topics. So the second item, Rafe, LG's rumored return to Windows Phone four years on from their initial Windows Phone launch almost with the quote Uni 8 Fablet, which has been leaked by EV Leaks, which is particularly reliable, I suspect. I suspect this is a real product and will be announced within the next month or so. It, from my reading of the image though, Rafe, it does look rather big. I, I quoted it as a Fablet in the news story and I hope I, I'm right about that. I think so. I mean, I got that impression looking at the images. Of course, these things uh, can be deceptive. And certainly it's sort of on the larger screen size because I noticed that it was you know, three uh, tiles across, which means it's likely to be at least four and a half inches or bigger. But to me, that looked like a, a five-inch uh, device. And LG uh, has enjoyed most success really out in the Asian markets where, of course, the trend for phablet devices, those with large screens, is strongest. And it would kind of make sense. I mean, otherwise, the design looked pretty nondescript to me or fairly standard. There wasn't anything that immediately uh, jumped out and caught my eye. So I, I wonder if it's LG sort of dipping its toe in the water, so to speak. It's not exactly reusing an existing design, but certainly it's not going to be a, a flagship in the same way, you know, the, the G3 or that series of uh, products is. But of course, we have speculated about there being a bit more operated demand now that 8.1's arrived, having had a rather stagnant, stagnant six months, you know, in the last half of 2013 and to the first bit of this year. Uh, we do expect there to be quite a few device announcements. And LG is just one of the rumored manufacturers. We've had, uh, you know, some really small manufacturers actually announce stuff, the Billy smartphone, for example. And there's a whole bunch of Indian OEMs working off the reference designs that Microsoft announced back at MWC. But LG is a big name because, you know, it's one of the top five smartphone manufacturers. It's done really well in recent years. And so to see it come back to Windows Phone after, I think it was the Quantum series, and then they had the kind of the fashion brand series that launched in Germany as well. Uh, you know, it can only be good for Windows Phone. I'm sure Microsoft will be very pleased to have a partner on board, especially having gone through the Nokia acquisition where there was a lot of talk about, you know, what impact would that have on its hardware partners. We should say, though, it is, you know, a leak by Evleaks. It's not confirmed. And uh, he's actually been tipped by someone on that from what I re read into the tweet. <laughs> so we can't absolutely guarantee it's right, but it does match with some other rumours that I've heard. I mean, there's also the ones about Sony going back a little bit. We haven't had anything concrete on those, but I think it's quite likely that a lot of these manufacturers uh, will be looking at sort of doing it now that that reference design stuff makes it easier for them to... It's not quite a question of taking some components off a shelf and fitting them all together, but Microsoft's attitude has changed also on the software side and doing the builds for those devices. Um, my concern would be that you know, not enough attention is paid to them and they're not necessarily fully optimised. It's kind of an example of what we've seen with 8.1 
uh, the, the beta version on the existing devices, we know they're not particularly well optimized because you, know, you get bad battery life. For example, I wonder if there's a danger that that could happen to some of these, you know, off the shelf kind of not rush devices, but certainly not having the same attention that would expect from a, a typical flagship. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll come back to the issue of battery life in a minute, I suspect. Um, rushing on with the news items. Um, now, the MSDN, Microsoft Developer Network, put up an excellent article summarizing the changes in Internet Explorer 11, which, of course, we're playing with as part of the developer preview. And I know, Rafe, you've done quite a few um, articles sort of previewing what was coming in 8.1. So I just thought, well, we'll link to the MSDN article for now because they explain that the bullet points with a paragraph of description about each, uh, quick site access, frequent sites, URL predictions, unlimited tabs, which is always nice. I've been enjoying that as well. Um, here's one that's particularly intriguing, you know, live pinned sites. And this, this is something that I haven't really been able to, apart from WP Central, one of our competitors, have been able to see working on any other website. I think the idea is that a webmaster puts a specific markup in the code on their site, and that's interpreted, um, presumably by uh, in HTML, by Internet Explorer 11, and then a live pinned site. So, for example, you could pin allaboutwindowsphone.com as a, a website to your start screen. And if you'd put the right markup in place, Mr. Webmaster Blandford, um, people would see live stories and news coming through on their start screen. Any thoughts? They, they would indeed. And if uh, Steve actually pinned all about Windows Phone to his start screen, he'd see that I have actually already done that. Ooh. What, you, what you get is it's actually linked to the RSS feed of your site and Microsoft through a, a site called mypinsite.com do a lot of the hard work for you in terms of uh, the notification side. And so when a new post goes up on an RSS post, it will actually push something out to that uh, particular live tile. And so you'll see the most recent headlines. Uh, well, the tile will flip and show those most recent headlines. And I've actually set that up for all about Windows Phone. It's very easy to do, as Steve says, actually. It's just a matter of had, adding a, a few tags to your uh, head thing. It'll only work if you pin the home page of all about Windows Phone. I could roll it out to the, the rest of the site, but I was sort of playing about with this mm. about six months ago. And the this feature actually comes from Windows 8.1. That was added by Microsoft you know, when that came out. And obviously, they brought it into Windows Phone 8.1 example of how those two platforms have sort of come close together in features. But it's, as you say, it's a relatively easy add. And actually, I think this is a great way. I'd love to see more sites adopting it. I think because of the, you know, the relative level of uh, usage of Windows Phone, it may not really take off. Um, but you know, encourage your favorite site to do it and, and maybe they will because it is, say, a, a pretty easy ad. There's lots of little features like that in Internet Explorer 11 that I really like. Um, you mentioned the sort of unlimited tabs there. Another sort of related feature to tabs, if you've got uh, more than one Windows Phone device or you've got a, a Windows 8 tablet or laptop or desktop, you'll also be able to get to your tabs on other devices. So you have Internet Explorer running on one of these other devices and you've got, say, five tabs open in it. Microsoft will store that. When you go to your phone, you can then pick out that particular device, so race tablet or you know, race laptop, and you'll see those tabs listed. So it's not sort of automatically just loading them because that would be a bit annoying, but it does sort of sync those tabs between the devices. And so what I found myself doing when I was reading something on a particularly long web page, I started reading it on one device on my mobile, and I said, why am I sort of hurting my eyes doing this? Switch to a tablet and was able to bring up that same tab. And it works, of course, the other way around as well. So they, again, it's kind of an example of the cross-device experience and cross-device sync. 
but uh, there were plenty of other little bits. I mean, there's now the incognito tab support. So if you want to browse a site without sort of collecting cookies or leaving a, a data trail, you can do so. Uh, there's better support for downloads. That's a really nice one. Uh, so you can actually download stuff off the site and then save it into the file browser, of which there are now multiple third-party apps that will sort of let you access and do things with those files. But one of my favorite features is actually the improvements to that autocomplete that you refer to in the address bar. It just seems to work a little better now so that I'm finding I'm not having to write in so many website names. And so um, all of that is kind of interface stuff. There are updates to the actual rendering engine and it supports better support for things like WebGL. You'll get a higher score in the HTML5 test. What does that actually mean? Well, more websites render correctly. There was a bit of an issue sometimes on Windows. I wouldn't say, you know, big one, but maybe 5% of sites would get a bit of a problem. Now that's been reduced down to, uh, I, I'm sort of guessing here at, at one or 2%. So a big improvement in the browsing and probably in your day to day usage. Apart from the calendar app, it's the biggest app update in Windows Phone 8.1. Yeah, yeah. I know I've pinned all about windowsphone.com to, to my start screen. You're quite right. We've got an animated tile flipping over with the different stories from the RSS feed. But I have still got a complaint. It's not transparent. and It's, it's a blocky blue. So can you please make it transparent, Mr. Blanford, please? Right, I will look into that and fix that as soon as possible, Steve. There we go. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Happy. Um, now, have you had a look at movie moments um, for Windows Phone 8.1? Now, there have been various video editing tools released, and we've re- reported on each of them in the flow section on the site. But one of them was actually from Microsoft, and it kind of it, it kind of enchanted me. It doesn't try to be a full video editor. It t- aims to take just a, a magic moment, as, it's, as the title suggests, from a video and encapsulate it. Um, with, you know, title and music in a very small file, sub 10 megabytes, something you can actually email around. So you, I could do a, a video of your cat or something, or you could video of your cat, and, and the cat does something with a ball of string. Oh, that would be brilliant. So you use movie moments, you do a couple of taps, and you've got it just down to the, the five or six seconds that the, you really like. One more tap, there's some music. One more tap, there's a nice humorous caption. Bang, you email it off to all your friends. And you know it, you're not emailing them a, a 60 megabyte file that's going to annoy them. It, it's, it's manageable and it's really nicely done. Yeah, I, I really like this approach to, to mobile apps. Of course, you know, as a power user, I like having full control and being able to do everything. And it's kind of use your smartphone as a, a PC. But if I'm honest, most people using a mobile device are looking to do, it's a different context. They're looking to maybe just do short consumable bits of content. If you think about the way you consume media on a phone, it's the short videos, the bite-sized chunks of content that work best. And creating those yourself can be quite difficult. And this is where I think this tool really comes in handy. And it's not just, you know, sending off by email. I think these are a lot better for social sharing because as much as you might like to think that someone's going to watch your 15 minute video of your cat doing amusing things the reality are the ones that do best and sort of go viral that may not be your aim but the one that give people most enjoyment are actually the shorter ones as you say Steve maybe 10 seconds or less and having a helping hand to create that is a, a really clever thing and again it comes back to this you know as a power user you may want everything but what does the sort of average user want? And we've talked about this in, in the past with Windows Phone. I often feel Windows Phone is more approachable, more accessible for that average user to actually be able to do this stuff. Of course, you can do it on Android and you'll get a full editing suite. And of course, there are actually some Windows Phone apps that offer increased sophistication. But it doesn't matter if that's not being used. You want the app that will get used 
the most times by as many people as possible. And often that less is more approach will work better. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so look at that. Uh, Microsoft Movie Moments. And don't forget, we'll put links to all these stories and the software in the show notes so you can uh, track them down. Uh, now, I put up a story um, only an hour ago, Rafe, so I, I fully understand if you haven't read it yet. <laughs> it's called Charting the Hill that Windows Phone 8.1 has declined to get decent battery life. Basically, I've spent the entire day, and well, the last few days, doing tests on Windows Phone devices and other Android, Symbian, and iPhones even, um, testing how much their batteries deplete just in normal standby with 3G and Wi-Fi connected, doing basic email social updates, light use, but seeing how the batteries track through the day. And as you'll see from the chart, the, uh, the Windows Phone 8.1 developer preview fares particularly badly. And I'm sure as someone who's running the 8.1 preview, you probably relate to this. I, now, I, there are loads of caveats on the story, not least the fact that it's developer preview. And as we said, it's not fully optimized. And if you look at the, uh, the result there for the 8.0, Windows Phone 8.0 with um, 3G and Wi-Fi and connected everything. That's a slightly healthier curve, I have to say, and not a million miles off Android. Um, do, do the question is, do we think that Microsoft, stroke Nokia, stroke whoever, can get 8.1 into the same sort of shape that 8.0 is, or even better, and get somewhere higher up on that chart? Ah, uh, this is when Steve wants me to look into the crystal ball, make a prediction about the future. Uh, <laughs> The obvious answer is yes, it's really just a question of degree. There's no doubt there is room for optimization. And talking to Microsoft, you know, when it launched, there was clear that efforts had been made to reduce battery consumption and to make it more power efficient. But of course, when you're adding new things, it, that's not always the easiest process to, to go through to actually carry out. And some of the new things in Windows Phone 8.1 are actually changes to battery savers, so an introduction of sort of more tools there to kind of let you manage your own battery and to see what apps are using data. And if we think about the way Windows Phone 8.1 works, it actually encourages you to leave more things running in the background and actually allows for more background task scenarios. So yeah. potentially, at least, there's going to be a higher level of battery use. I don't think you should count that against Microsoft because you go, do you want that functionality or not? Um, so I do think there will be an improvement, and I actually think it will probably end up being superior uh, to Android, simply because they're all trying to do the same things in terms of, you know, running background process and updates. And as you quite rightly said, it's a bit subjective. You can't you know, do the identical set of functionality. There's so many variables here, not least you know, which network operator in the, what the signal strength is and all those kind of things. Um, but from an engineering point of view, Windows Phone probably has less layers than something like Android, just because Android, its nature of its architecture, is sort of running on top of a, a Java virtual machine. And I'm horrifically oversimplifying <laughs> there, of course. Uh, Windows Phone running on the, the Windows kernel and the internals there is very power efficient. We know that already. We've seen that in 8.0. Uh, that should then be translated into 8.1. And I actually think some of the differences that we talk about in power consumption between platforms are probably overstated and actually come down to how people choose to use the device and then you have to obviously add in you know what are the different hardware components in there so you know, a high resolution large screen size will use more battery than a lower resolution size screen but also it depends on what brightness level you set the screen at and you know how that's triggered and in, in some devices that will sort of be set to be a bit higher to compensate for a low quality screen and you can you know something similar will apply to network radios and this is why optimization that we've talked about before is so important and it can be something as small as 
for example, for Wi-Fi connectivity, uh, you can actually choose to turn off power to the Wi-Fi chip at different intervals. And this can even be when it's actually being used, but you sort of turn it off in micro bursts and similar thing can apply to other components. And that's how optimizations happen or just intelligence, sleep modes, all that kind of thing that can add up to a big difference. And so those together with looking at the component story and then of course the capacity of the battery will come out with uh, the battery life that you have. And so yes, absolutely Windows Phone 8.1 will get better. I think all other things being equal, it will be like uh, iOS, a bit superior to Android whether you'll really be able to tell that difference, uh, I don't know, because some of the compensation comes from a lot of the Android devices, like actually some of the large screen Windows phone devices, like the 1520, for example, have bigger batteries. And so you, it's kind of offset. So it's still the case that if you use a smartphone intensively, it's hard pushed to last a day. Um, and so you certainly have to charge it every day. Now, there are some devices coming in that are, so having more intelligence in the software that when you get to 20% or 25%, they go into an ultra low power mode. And we've seen something like that from HTC with the M8 and working really well there. Motorola's done something similar. Samsung's got it in the S5. Windows Phone effectively has this with battery save and you can yeah. set when that triggers. And so it's actually that kind of software and how you choose to use it is probably going to have more of an impact on day-to-day use. And I'll just urge people to set that up and use it because, you know, if you're running out of battery, you probably would rather have some of the push notifications and the automatic downloads of emails switch off so that you can still send that text message to get the spare key from someone when you've locked yourself out rather than having a dead phone. And so those kind of issues, it's kind of making intelligent decisions about the way you use and set up your phone. And that's why I like the, the Windows phone approach with battery sense. It's actually kind of set up automatically to behave in a, a fairly sensible way. You can then tweak it if you want to. Some of the low power modes I've seen elsewhere require a bit more user intervention and actually have a more dramatic effect on the user interface. I mean, I kind of like what HTC are doing, but it goes into almost a, a simple mode when you put it into the ultra low power mode. And there's something to be said for that. But on the other hand, if you're not expecting that to happen, it can be a bit confusing. So it goes goes both ways. But very long-winded answer to your your question, <laughs> Steve. But eight point one does have a, a you know a hill to climb, and I notice it that when I'm coming day after a long long day, I do find that I'm getting a message on my nine two five saying battery critically low. So it's sort of lasting about four hours less than it had done before when it was running yeah. 8.0, but I'm pretty confident that it's going to go right back up to that kind of full day of runtime, even with relatively heavy use um, by the time that kind of final consumer version comes out. And I'll, of course, get that along with everybody else and Lumia Sign for all the imaging stuff. Yeah, I did notice that uh, if my gut feel and also some stats um, prove that the, the 3G, i.e. the cellular um, connectivity, not necessarily even an active data connection, but just the very fact that you're logged into a cell tower and your phone is on is actually registered to a network, that has a big impact in 8.1. And I mean, my gut feel is that there are some serious optimizations, optimizations that need doing in the the network, the, the baseband software side of things. And I suspect that's where a lot of the battery savings and optimizations will be made before Cyan hits. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, those are where the optimizations typically happen also in turning the processor on and off. But you can think about this, you know, most of these device variants actually tuned often to the specific operator and to the specific country. And in yeah. these generic ones, it, it just won't be able to do that. 
and you know it'll be tuned on a device by device basis and so i think you're right i'm sure that's going to improve things and after all i think most people are aware that screen and how much you have that on together with their uh, data consumption be that uploads or downloads are two of the things that are most power intensive on a phone uh, so i think your gut feel is spot yeah. on there steve okay uh, well, one final thing before we go into a discussion topic um I wrote an article, How to Speed Up Access to Your Backed Up Photos on OneDrive. And I, I kind of felt a bit silly posting this because I thought, well, maybe everyone else in the world knows this already. And I'm just finding out it's Johnny come lately. But basically, <laughs> in any Windows phone, really, 8.0 or 8.1, if you go into your, um, your Photos Hub, in there, there is an online section. It used to be called SkyDrive Camera Roll. It's now at the kind of an online panel and you tap through to get to OneDrive. But either way, you get through there and that is a very convenient way to access the photos that have been auto-backed up. Now, the, the point of my tutorial, and I, I guess the tip for the podcast, is that that's actually quite a slow process if you just do it on an ad hoc basis because it has to l- ask for each um, photo thumbnail in turn from the OneDrive or SkyDrive server, um, and that gets composed and sent down the wire. That gets rendered onto the screen, then it asks the next one. And I think there's probably a bit of parallel processing going there, but basically it's a slow process. But... These files are then cached if, uh, on your phone. So if you just spend 10 minutes while you're watching your favorite episode of Star Trek, just idly flicking through page at a time, wait for the page to the thumbnails to load. Then when that's done, flick up another page, wait for the next pe- page to load. Okay, after 10 minutes, you, it's got every single, a, a cached thumbnail for every single backed up photo on SkyDrive or OneDrive. And thereafter, when you go into it, there's about a second or so set up and sync with the uh, server. And then all the thumbnails are there immediately. So if, see, like me, I've been taking um, photos of my Windows phone now for 12 months or so. I, I can never mind the fact I just ha- hard reset my 1020 recently and basically all the local photos on the phone went. I can just, now these thumbnails are there and cached, I can go into the photo sub stroke online stroke OneDrive uh, and then just literally browse through them at the speed of light, pick the one I want, and then a couple of seconds later, the photo is downloaded and I can save it to my local drive again. So it's a, a really convenient way into into backed up content. And, I, and uh, I think several people popped up in the comments and said that they hadn't realized this either and they were doing it the old-fashioned way via the OneDrive client. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's a very useful thing. I mean, this caching will also apply in other places. So, uh, for example, in some of the social apps, uh, Facebook can use this kind of thing. It does vary on an app by app basis as, as you've discovered, but I hadn't actually sort of really taken on board that effect. And so I tried that out and thought, Oh, that's really quite useful because like you, I'm either swapping devices on a fairly regular basis or I reset a device or, you know, for some other reason, I've taken all the photos off it, but you still want to, you know, get back and find those photos very easily. Um, this will also apply uh, to Nokia's storyteller application and that it will actually sort of do a certain amount of caching the first time it's set up once you connect it to a, a, a social source, which is for most people, it's going to be OneDrive. It will also do a, a Facebook. Yeah. And it seemed ever so slow the first time I used it. And I was sort of tearing my hair out. Subsequently, it is a lot faster. It still feels a bit slow to me. And honestly, I haven't really been able to get on with Storyteller because of those performance issues. You know, there's so many photos sitting on my OneDrive that perhaps I'm more of an edge case, but I can't be the only one that has, you know, a couple of gigs or more worth of photos that I've taken over the last couple of years of Windows Phone ownership, things like the 920 and the 1020. You know, you're asking to take photos. Uh, it, It still feels like there needs to be improvements there. But what I will say, if you get that kind of caching of the thumbnails working, you can then load in those photos pretty quickly, particularly if you're on a, a Wi-Fi 
or a you know a, yeah. a 3g or 4g connection it's perfectly acceptable you know if you're showing the photos to people they don't mind waiting that long but it's the old problem with uh, mobile devices particularly on a 3g connection um heaven forbid a 2g connection there is a bit of a latency issue when you're loading lots of files and so you know of course in that thumbnail situation you're actually making lots of requests to the server and there'll only be you know so many requests that can happen at the the same time whereas when you're just loading a single photo it's just requesting one thing uh, and so latency less of an issue and certainly having those concurrent requests isn't isn't going to be an issue so yeah that was a good tip and despite maybe being a bit obvious um I think if both of us were sort of wondering about it, hopefully a lot of other people benefited from it too. Yeah, I've been doing quite a few of these how-tos, and I always get one person popping up saying, oh, Steve, come on, that's obvious, everyone knows that. But I always get at least one person saying, I didn't know that, so I'm going to stick to my guns. And uh, hopefully, if, if people type in how-to, blah, 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 into Google, hopefully there's a fighting chance they might come up with our articles and all about Windows Phone. So I, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, be- before you, your voice gives up completely with your cold, just that we did promise to talk about uh, Microsoft and Nokia coming together. And I will start as a starting point, Rafe. I noticed that the Nokia collection um, on my Lumia smartphones has been depleting rather quickly. And essentially, a lot of the uh, Nokia-only properties, um, software properties inside Nokia collection, are being split out into generic categories within the Windows Phone store, which is entirely understandable. Um, there are a few of the prop- uh, software items still still have kept the Nokia name, but I, I guess even those that not that part of the name will go in time, and maybe even the Nokia collection will disappear altogether. Uh, quite possibly. I mean, I don't know whether there'll be a, a Microsoft Premium collection, but this is kind of one of the changes that can happen fairly quickly because, of course, a lot of those apps in there are actually from third parties and you can make them available in some other ways, and I suspect that sort of the agreements are easier to do. And you know, as you say, there are a lot of kind of Nokia camera and Nokia mixed radio. It's not quite clear what will happen to the branding there. You know, will they become Lumia mixed radio or Lumia camera? That kind of feels like the logical yeah. thing for me. And, and I, if I had to guess, I'd say it's going to become the Lumia collection rather than the, the, the Nokia collection. But it does raise an interesting question. Now that Microsoft owns Nokia's device and service division, how quickly will we see changes? You know, what's kind of the impact? We mentioned in passing last time things about kind of the cultural influence and how much, you know, would Nokia have an impact on Microsoft's devices department? But there's some you know, more prosaic kind of what happens day to day as a consumer. And that's a great example. I noticed uh, recently that Nokia Connects, which has kind of been Nokia's uh, social channel for engaging with enthusiasts, has actually renamed itself from Nokia Connects just to Connects. And it's very much still in operation, but is sort of, you know, dropping that Nokia part of the brand. Uh, similarly, Nokia's conversation blog, actually, they went through a redesign not that long ago. And kind of the, the Nokia part of Nokia conversations was downplayed and actually just be- became conversation i've noticed them referring to themselves as conversation so all of those are, are relatively simple and there are you know other examples of things dropping the the nokia name as well the the Delive up uh, developer program for example is now becoming kind of the engagement channel for developers something actually instantly i think is very much needed it's kind of uh, playing up the social side of things trying to create a bit of a community and you compare that to what is the relatively dry and technical uh, msdn which great source of information and uh, you know the official microsoft developer center and all that kind of absolutely necessary but trying to have that engagement with developers is important too but it is probably worth stressing that there are areas where there's considerable overlap where we don't know what will necessarily happen and 
things that have been in development for a while or that will take longer that aren't just a simple name change or brand. And maybe we should go through some of those, Steve. Well, where do you want to start? I was going to go, actually move on to <laughs> what's going to happen to people like the personnel. For example, there have been um, t- talks this week. Uh, Ari Partinen, which is, I hope I've pronounced that right, one of our Finnish friends in charge of the, uh, the, the imaging team um, at Nokia, he's moved on to Apple with people saying, oh, there we are, Apple's going to reduce a, a pure view camera in the, in the iPhone 6, which of course is poppycock because these things take 18 months to two years to develop. But it's, uh, I, I'm glad for him, for example, that he's, uh, he's found a new home. And of course, most of the imaging team that, that we with Nokia are now still with Microsoft, and we should emphasize yet again that, um, that, that a lot of the personnel and the talent that we've been following over the last uh, few years is still you know, with us in the ecosystem, albeit under the Microsoft name. Yeah, well, it, this is actually a good example of what I was talking about. There is this uh, surface change, um, but Ari, who, who we know well, I'm sure would be the first to say that it's a team effort to produce the yeah. camera and the imaging software and you know, the imaging software team out in London, they're responsible for Creative Studio and some of those other kind of, if you like, post-capture elements. And then there's the imaging teams in Tampere who are largely responsible for the, the software algorithms and kind of the bits as you take the photo. And of course, there's a hardware element to that as well. Uh, a lot of them are still there. Yuha is, for example, is still in that uh, team there and, of course, has joined Microsoft. And he tweeted recently that it was his last day at Nokia and everyone went, <gasps> and he said, well, it's only because it's my first day at Microsoft. Um, <laughs> and there's, you know, uh, I would say there's probably another three or four you know, people who you will see regularly at the conference and act as spokespeople. And they always they say when you, you have a chance to chat to them sort of a bit more informally, they kind of get embarrassed by how much attention gets attached to their name. And they keep saying, actually, it's a team effort. I'm just the one that's lucky enough to come along and present at these conferences in, and give you the demo. And that that's, of course, true. It's true of any organization. And something very ha- similar happened with Damien Dinning, who was very much associated with the Nokia imaging team and kind of became the spokesperson, often wrote the white papers, was popping up at conferences talking about it. And he uh, he, he went through the same thing. Uh, we will see plenty of people will choose to leave uh, Microsoft or Nokia. And when I refer to Nokia, I mean the sort of what remains of Nokia, yeah. simply because when this kind of change happens, there are you know that natural inclination to have an opportunity to to move on elsewhere. But the vast majority are probably going to stay put because they're comfortable. And especially in, in, in this case, you know, it's not like uh, offices are being closed down. You know, Microsoft actually made a commitment to keep things very much going in Finland that's going to be a kind of hub for Microsoft mobile or in for Microsoft mobile device operations um, but I, I, I know there are several other people who have chosen to to leave Nokia some have made public statements some have chosen to you know keep a bit quieter about it but of course there'll be people going in as well because of that same opportunity you know, there's a chance to start something new and uh, I know that a whole bunch of people have been added to the developer engagement and evangelist team out in uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, For example, recently, some from the media world, some from app developers. Uh, So I think that's kind of business as as normal. So I wouldn't attach too much attention to that. The the, the IRA has gone to Apple. Of course, it raises a few eyebrows because they're one of (laughs) Nokia's big imaging competitors. I don't think it necessarily means Apple's going to do peer view. I think it just means that Apple recognises talent when he sees it. So we wish him the very best of luck. And frankly, I look forward to seeing what he can get Apple working on on next because competition is great for the consumer. Uh, yeah, I, I talked about overlap. Maybe it's just worth giving you an example of that. Um, 
Nokia mixed radio, probably, I think I've said in the past, my favourite Nokia service in the terms of the way it's gone from being a bit of a, a zero to a bit of a hero in the last few years. You know, it comes with music, great idea, never really took off some of the concepts around it. Uh, and now Nokia mixed radio, sort of free streaming radio, completely frictionless in terms of signing up and getting going with it. Really like the curation and some of the uh, Play Me mixes as well. That's obviously some overlap with Xbox Music. Not quite the same areas in some ways. I'd say the, they, they could potentially complement each other in that you'd have Xbox you know, Music Pass for that kind of a la carte subscription option and mix radio for the free streaming option. But they probably need to be merged together somehow, maybe a bit of rebranding going on. And actually, I think uh, the Nokia team, the mix radio team, who are based in Bristol in the UK, so maybe be a bit, a bit partisan for <laughs> patriotism, have actually done a much, much better job than the Xbox Radio in producing kind of mobile-specific apps and experience. I think that's because the Xbox team have maybe had more to take on than that they've been doing, you know, tablet, desktop versions. They've been integrating it with the Xbox console as well. And Windows Sony has been a bit the forgotten relative. Um, so I kind of like to see the mixed radio team kind of take over those, those efforts or at least you know be heavily involved in them rather than microsoft going oh no we don't want mixed radio because it's not interesting they've done such a fantastic job creating their client and the number of updates we've had to mixed radio over the last two years you compare that against uh Xbox, and frankly it's it, it's embarrassing how much better uh, mixed radio has been and the most recent set of updates saw kind of uh, automatic updating of the offline mixes it's kind of a small thing but that's been delivered in response to user feedback that people wanted and so that's the case of the overlap where i really really hope that it's a nokia bit that comes out on top and of course microsoft will be making these decisions i've said that very much from a, a consumer standpoint but it makes sense from a business standpoint also i mean the case of mixed radio it's actually available in more markets than uh, xbox music and so it would kind of be the logical one to, uh, you know, Microsoft, I think we've criticized in the past from not being insular towards the US, but certainly a certain amount of US centricism and hasn't had the same global perspective that Nokia has had and also had to have because they've been, you know, a Finnish based company. So they had to go out to the rest of the Europe, the rest of the world in order to work for, for Microsoft. It's been too easy to concentrate on key markets like the US. And so that's, yeah. you know, a, an issue. Um, in a similar way, you're going to get the maps teams having to, to work together and work out how that relationship exists, despite the fact that obviously here maps remains part of the sort of new Nokia or the old Nokia, depending on the way you want to talk about it. But that's now being embedded into the platform. And we know one of the results of that is that here maps plus, uh, sorry, here drive plus is actually going to be free to all Windows phone users. It's not going to be a, a Nokia only thing. I think we can assume something similar happens with the other here applications, you know, with regard to here transit, some of the ones that are in beta, like here explore, but there's still some working out how that's going to go on. And, you know, what does that mean for the rest of uh, the Microsoft properties? You know, is that here brand going to appear on windows to replace Bing maps or is uh, you know, here maps on windows phone going to get rebranded to Bing maps, despite the fact it's obviously the here technology underneath it. I did speak to, the here team about this and this was before so that anything was final so it may have changed that uh, microsoft was actually going to take over kind of the maintenance and development of the here apps for windows phone which would kind of make sense because here is kind of trying to do that horizontal play become a, a mapping and location platform 
but you wonder how exactly that's going to work, where the teams are going to live. I mean, they'll probably be in multiple sites, but, you know, that kind of thing still has to be worked out. And that'll be ongoing right now. And that's kind of should bring us to our last bit of the topic. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about this again, in that people kind of assume that once the acquisition has taken place, that there's immediately loads of switching, lots going on. It takes time to turn a big ship. Uh, it's like an oil tanker is the analogy that's always used. But the best way to talk about this is probably in terms of devices. Everyone's starting to look forward to the Lumia 930. And they should do. It's a great device. And that's going to come out you know, beginning of June or sort of mid-June, depending on which market you're on. It'd be a little bit later than that. Uh, but you can guarantee that there's several more devices in development. You know, let's call it the Lumia 950, the 960, whatever it happens to be. 1030. <laughs> the 1030 is actually a great example. Probably an awful lot of the development work for the next one, which will be released in maybe six months' time, and the one after that in 12 months' time, has already been done in terms of thinking about the design and the spec. And, of course, there's still finalisation work. Um, but a lot of that kind of initial planning will already been done. We've talked before about the kind of timeline of this product development. Anything up to, you know, two years for kind of your average handset and for kind of specialist camera stuff like the 1020, that can be five-plus years. Now, of course, in, in those cases, it's more about a single piece of technology or a bit of integration um, for cameras, it could be a, a new type of sensor or some other new bit of technology being integrated. But even for just the basic designs, if you think that right now Nokia will be probably starting to show off its next flagship to operators to start to you know get feedback, and that will be one that maybe be announced late in the year or even early next year. You know that's how early things start happening, and you know it will will be subject to change. So. You know, the idea that there'll be instant change isn't really the case. And of course, added to that, it's actually all the same people working on it. And they don't suddenly become you know, part of the Microsoft way of doing things overnight. And actually, I, I don't think that will happen particularly quickly because, as we've said before, Nokia is you know, 25,000 people going into Microsoft and effectively becoming that Microsoft mobile hardware division. And so I think actually that Nokia ethos, regardless of how much change there is, is going to remain around, uh, you know, for a while. And that can be you know, viewed as both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I actually think what we will see is kind of some of the pains of integration where there are delays inevitably happening in sort of marketing campaigns, sales and distribution. And to a certain amount on product development, it will be you know, less obvious and you know, difficult to pick out. But I think any time that Microsoft's mobile division stumbles a bit in the next few months, it'll be people going, oh, that's because of the integration issues or you know, that's because they're trying to bed two things together that don't really fit. Yes, it will be the explanation sometimes, but sometimes it will just be because people don't get things right all the time. You know, people aren't a hundred percent perfect in any of that kind of development or trying to get things right. And if you look at Nokia's recently, they've made plenty of stumbles in terms of device over the last few years. And so expecting that that will suddenly stop or, you know, all the new mistakes will be due just down to this, uh, absorption by microsoft is probably a uh, slightly misguided but uh yeah. undoubtedly plenty of decisions to be made and you know we talked about the branding last time around we've talked about music this time around with staff coming in and out and you know, who's responsible for what there is you know, crossover on the developer side on the consumer side are microsoft going to continue to uh, make kind of the custom Nokia apps or the Lumia apps with the same you know, will and intensity that Nokia did now that they may want actually to make them available to all licenses. We'll have to see. 
I think that there will be these Lumia apps and Lumia cameras seems to be the obvious one to talk about. And that's maybe the one we'll see the first signs of. And uh, on that same subject about the camera, I suspect uh, having had a break of a few weeks, there'll be another uh, camera head-to-head to talk about in the next podcast because I've got the Xperia Z2 arriving, um, which is the be- probably the best in the Android world at the moment, camera-wise. Um, followed closely by the Samsung uh, Galaxy K Zoom, which has got which is probably a almost a ten twenty equal, I would say, in the camera stakes, but of course still a slightly, perhaps a more arguably more of a camera than a phone, although they have slimmed it down an awful lot. So I guess that's two exciting head-to-heads we've got coming up in the next few weeks on all about Windows Phone, and uh, hopefully we can chat about that in the next podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting your take on that, especially as you know Samsung often do better in their kind of second and third generation products. And the K-Zoom, from what I've seen of it, which is only a little, does feel like they've actually corrected some of the mistakes they made last time round. And the Sony Z2, I think, has been making a lot of waves of had a lot of people say to me they've picked that out as their kind of preferred Android device, and Sony has certainly stepped up their game. At the opposite end of the market, there's interesting things going on the low end. Uh, I was at the launch of the Motorola E today, which is kind of a new cheap Android device. It's going to be about £79 off contract uh, here in the UK and similar pricing elsewhere in the world. It's kind of a further on to the, the Motorola G, but with even lower price, a few more cuts. And it's certainly, I think, in a better com- position to compete against the, the kind of the category of the Lumia 520 that that sits in, whereas the Motorola G was actually a bit above that. Now, you have to do take into account high street prices and all that kind of thing. Um, the only way you can really do this is kind of look at launch pricing and do a direct comparison there. Um, and actually, I feel that where Nokia and Windows Phone did really well last year was in the low end, but that's now being challenged by a number of Android devices, and I think Motorola is just one example of it. I do think they've probably done the best out of all of them so far, and the Motorola E is kind of the new, the head of a new wave of these low-cost devices. It feels like the 520 has now got very long in the tooth, so I'm hopefully going to get a chance to use that and compare it to kind of the experience with the 520, and I'll report back on that on the, the podcast as well. But I, I think I can tell you already that the conclusion will be Nokia really needs to get the Lumia 530 out and make sure it's really competitively priced, running Windows Phone 8.1, of course. Uh, you know, if it's to keep that kind of reputation of doing really well in the low end, because, you know, in the UK, the 520 has been the top selling pay-as-you-go smartphone. I think the Motorola E is exactly the sort of di- device that could uh, displace it. The, the G's already done very well. It's, I think, the number two pay-as-you-go smartphone here in the UK. And it, that success is repeated in other markets. But just cutting yeah. that cost a little bit more, so it's on that 520 category, makes for an interesting battle. So uh, Lumia 530, where are you? <laughs> I did notice that the 520... Um, was actually on sale, I think, at one of the uh, high street shops now for under £60. Um, That's right. For a SIM free, I don't know if the SIM free or, or network locked, but it's certainly a cracking price, £60. As you say, though, um, let's see, let's perhaps discuss in the next podcast exactly where we go in terms of budget phones, as well as talking about that camera head to head. So that's two topics you can perhaps stick on your to do list for next time. Um, you've had 50 minutes, gentle listener, or, or thereabouts for this podcast so apologies for being away for two weeks it may it may even be two weeks to the next podcast depending on mr rafe landford's schedule but that will just mean that there's more news to report and more things to discuss so we hope to catch you in the next podcast bye for now bye rafe bye and thanks for listening everybody we'll endeavor to be back in a week's time and <laughs> try and get into a, a, a pattern of things but uh, if you've got any questions 
let us know we'll get them answered in the next podcast you can reach us via email the usual social channels at aaw underscore wp on twitter and of course our own personal twitter handles at steve litchfield at rafe blandford we always love getting feedback and there'll be plenty more to talk about next time